Good evening and shalom. Welcome to our Tuesday evening scripture study, Bible study. We are in the book of Romans. We'll be talking about Romans chapter 10 tonight, uh, beginning with the end of chapter 9, going through chapter 10 tonight. We're excited about uh, the study and hope that it'll be a blessing to you. I also hope that you will push the watch party button and the share button uh, to share this with your friends and family so they will be blessed by the teachings also. I want to remind everybody tomorrow evening we have our Torah study at the Drowsy Poet on Brent Lane, and that's at 5.30 p.m., and everybody is invited to participate in that. The VTS set building meeting is Friday, March 5th at 9 o'clock a.m. Youth night this Shabbat at 6 o'clock, and ladies, uh, you're outing to the Kosher Cajun for Passover prep and purchasing items. We'll be leaving the synagogue this coming Sunday, March 7th at 7.30. Please make sure you're at the synagogue before 7.30 so that everybody can get in cars and head over to the Kosher Cajun in New Orleans to do some Passover shopping. Next Tuesday evening uh, will be a special study. We'll be taking a, a break from Romans in Context, and myself and Abigail Fatkins will be sharing Passover preparation, how to prep your home for Passover, and how to prep yourself to do a Seder at your home. Uh, Mom's Morning Out, March 10th at 9 o'clock, Java Nagila and Rosh Kodesh both fall on the same day this month, March 13th. Saturday at 5.30, we uh, invite you to come join us for that time of fellowship and good coffee. Uh, save the date for VTS, July 19th to 23rd. We're still looking for volunteers for that. We also have our King of Israel t-shirt fundraiser to help pay for our synagogue's facelift. See Christy Johnson or order directly from Bonfire, and we will put the link on this video that you can connect to Bonfire also in the comments below the video on Facebook. Uh, we're still looking for volunteers for our nursery. If you're able to help with that, please do. And the Haggadot for Passover should be in by the time this airs this evening. You can come by the synagogue and pick your copies up. They're $6 per book, and that'll give you something that you can follow at your home for your Passover Seder in just a few weeks. So those are our announcements, except we're really excited. Our new app for the synagogue is available on both uh, uh, Google phones or, or Android phones and iPhones. And you can go to the iPhone uh, App Center and you can download it there or go to the Google uh, Market and find it there. So download that. It'll allow you to be updated with all of the events and things going on at the synagogue, as well as once the website is completed, you'll be able to watch these videos and studies, as well as our Saturday morning service on the app itself or on your computer going to our website. We'll also be on Roku, YouTube Live, Apple TV, all at the same time, as well as Facebook Live. So all that is coming up. The app will also allow you to message between the apps, so we'll have an internal message center just for our Britom family, and it'll have push notifications. So if something happens, uh, someone goes to the hospital, needs prayer, we have a special service coming up, anything like that, you'll get a push notification to the app that will allow you to be notified immediately. So download the app either for your iPhone or your Android phone and uh, that way you'll be able to keep up with everything going on at the synagogue at any given time.
Okay, so we are studying the book of Romans. I always like to start with the last verses from last week's study. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 9, verse 31. Romans is one of the most important books in the Brit Chadashah and the New Covenant or Apostolic Writings for understanding the roles of both Jews and non-Jews in the kingdom of God and understanding the uniqueness of the one new man and understanding that that one new man isn't a matter of Jews stopping being Jews or Gentiles stopping being Gentiles, but both becoming part of Israel in their unique roles and functions. Just as there are still men and women in the body of Messiah, there are still Jews and non-Jews. It always amazes me when I go places or hear people talk and they'll say, I know you say you're a Messianic Jew, but the Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor, you know. And I say, well, at your synagogue or your church, do you have a men's room and a ladies room? And they always say yes. Why, if there's neither male nor female, why do you have separate rooms? And the reason is because there are still men and women, and there are still Jews and Gentiles in the kingdom of God with different roles and functions. But the redemptive work of Messiah works equally among both, and salvation is for both the Jew and the non-Jew. So, Romans 9.31, But Israel, who pursued a Torah of righteousness, did not reach the Torah. Romans 9.32, Why? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were from works. They stumbled over the stone of stumbling. And I want to stop there again to remind you that it doesn't say the fault was with the Torah, or the fault was with keeping the Torah, or observing the commandments, or doing the things God said to do. The fault was that they were not pursuing Torah by faith, but just for the work's sake. And that is the same today. If you are trying to keep the Torah in order to be redeemed or to find salvation or so that you are uh, in some way uh, better or closer to God by your own efforts or your own works, that is a waste of energy and time. If you are not doing it by faith, if you are not keeping the Torah because you have been born again, because you have been redeemed, then you are wasting your time. Now, that doesn't mean you should uh, immediately, well, if I'm not doing it by faith, I'll stop doing it, because we still don't want you to murder people, even if you're not doing it by faith. But we do want you to understand that our faith is what motivates us and not the other way around. And our faith is in the blood atonement of Yeshua that provided our redemption. Romans 9.33, Just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. And again, they stumbled over the stone of stumbling. That stone of stumbling was Yeshua. It was the promised Messiah, the promise that begins all the way back in Genesis, and that promise follows all the way through the Bible. There's always been a promise of a Redeemer, of a light that would come into the world, and that light would draw all men to God, and that has to be accepted by faith, and that's the faith that it's talking about. Uh, we know that Yeshua had to come, or the Messiah had to come before the destruction of the second temple. We know that there had to be a king in Judah when the Messiah came. We know these things from the prophetic writings in the Bible. We know where he would be born. We know how he would die. All of these things, there's over 300 prophecies concerning the Messiah in the Tanakh. And each of these are important. Each of them lay groundwork to find the Messiah. And because the Jewish people 
did not follow that path or that uh, that that pattern to see the Messiah. They were um, ta- overtaken by their own works, by their own uh, desire to be Israel rather than the Israel of God when it became more important that they were who they were than that they were the children of God, they missed out on Messiah. And I want to say very clearly that that is not all of Israel or all of the Jewish people, because we know there were hundreds of thousands of Jewish believers in the first century who all accepted Yeshua as the Messiah and all continued to live according to uh, Judaism and and continue to go to the temple, continue to make sacrifices at the temple, continue to keep the feasts and festivals, continue to keep Shabbat, continue to keep kosher, continue to do all of the things that the Torah commanded. So when we look at this, we have to understand it wasn't all of the Jewish people that rejected Yeshua. Uh, there were many, many, many that accepted Yeshua as the Messiah and walked according to his teachings. Okay, so now we jump into Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for Israel is for their salvation. Now, whether you are Jewish or non-Jewish, if that verse doesn't ring true for you, you need to pray until it does. You need to understand that that our faith, whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, is based upon God's promises through the Jewish people and that Uh, Paul, even though he was a believer, even though he had accepted Yeshua, his heart's desire and his prayer for Israel was for their salvation, for the salvation of the Jew. And uh, that doesn't mean apart from an understanding that we also pray for the salvation of the people from the nations. Uh, But if you uh, are, are not praying for the Jewish people, if you're not praying for Israel, if you're not praying that God would reveal himself through the Messiah, to the Jewish people, then you need to readjust your faith and your belief system to put it in line with what the Shaliach, with the Apostle Paul, taught and believed as well as the other apostles and what Yeshua taught uh, and what the scriptures lay out for us. If you are anti-Semitic, you need to repent immediately and begin to pray for Israel and for the Jewish people. Verse 2, for I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not based on knowledge. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. And this is a truth that not only is applied today to the Jewish people, to Israel, but also, unfortunately, to many in the body of Messiah who have a zeal for God, but not based on knowledge. They're their zeal, they have a motivation to follow God, to serve God, to love God. They want to do the things of God. And the Jewish people in the time of Messiah, when he came, they had a zeal for God, but it was not based on knowledge. It was based on their own knowledge, but not knowledge of the Scripture, knowledge of the promises of God. If they were, they would have been there like Anna, who is at the temple waiting for the Messiah at the appropriate time. And others who were there, Simeon, who was at the temple waiting for the Messiah at the appropriate time. If their knowledge was based on the scriptures and the complete message of the scriptures, Israel would have been waiting for Yeshua when he arrived on the scene. Likewise, there are too many people in the body of Messiah who have left uh, the understanding and the and the foundation of Judaism and Judaic thought, the understanding of who Yeshua is, and because of that, they separated uh, 
Yeshua from the Torah, from the Tanakh. Uh, it's a famous saying by uh, uh, Pastor Stanley that we need to unhitch our faith from the Old Testament. Unfortunately, too many people that are believers in Yeshua have unhitched themselves from the knowledge of the Old Testament. So uh, none of the New Testament fully makes sense. In other words, we're about to celebrate Pesach or Passover. It was a wonderful feast. It's about the exodus of the children from Israel. It also happens to be the time that Yeshua died and rose again during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. On Passover, he died during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. On the first fruits of that feast is when he resurrected. Now, we know that he died and we know that he shed his blood, but if you take that event out of the context of Passover, it doesn't make sense. If you unhitch Yeshua's death and resurrection from the Passover story, there's no reason for us to understand why blood would make a difference, why the shedding of blood would cover sin, why any of that would happen, because all that's based on the Torah, on the Tanakh. So too many people in our day that are believers in Yeshua have a zeal for God. They're excited about God. They love God. They want to serve God. But it's not based on knowledge of the Torah and the Tanakh. And likewise, the Jewish people of Yeshua's day and Jews uh, that, that do not yet accept Yeshua are also in the same way. They have a zeal for God. So many Jewish people are more zealous for God and serve God more fully and more strongly, are more committed to praying, are more committed to obeying God, are more committed to doing the things of God than many Christian people are and many believers in Yeshua, but their zeal is in their own works and their own acts and their own obedience rather than in the knowledge of God and not in the righteousness of God as we see in Romans 10.3 for being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own. It's not about our righteousness or our ability to be good. That doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to be good, but our striving to be good is to meet the mark that God established and that God set and that God brought about through the work of Yeshua, not without the work of Yeshua. And so uh, we have to understand that they, they didn't submit themselves to the righteousness of God, and likewise people today are falling short of submitting themselves to the righteous of, righteousness of God. And remember, the word submit means to place yourself under the authority of the righteousness of God. Romans 10.4, for Messiah is the goal of the Torah as a means to righteousness for everyone who keeps trusting. For Moses writes about the righteousness that based on Torah, the man who does these things shall live by them. Now again, the goal of the Torah or the end of the Torah, and matter of fact, in Matthew 5, it says Yeshua didn't come to abolish the Torah, but to bring it to fullness. That word fullness there is a word that means the goal or the outcome, what we're looking for. Uh, and so Messiah is the outcome. It's what we're, the whole Torah is set in place to lead us to that. Every part of the Torah are signs, road signs leading us to the Messiah so that we would find him. And the whole purpose of Torah is to find Yeshua. And it's the, and it means righteousness for everyone who keeps trusting and trust is a verb. It's an active word. It's not a matter of just a, a thought. It's not a matter of a, uh, even just believing but it's acting upon your faith and your belief. So when we believe in Yeshua, our life should change because our trusting in Him 
or our faithing should cause us to change. And it says, Moses writes about righteousness based on the Torah. He said, the one who does these things shall live by them and understand, especially now, for, for you and I today, there is no t- temple, there is no sacrificial system, there are no priests, there are no Levites serving in the temple, there's not a, a long line of people making their way to the temple to make sacrifices and offerings to cover their sins. Uh, from year to year, there's not a Yom Kippur sacrifice that brings atonement for the nation of Israel. All of that isn't happening at the temple. So if you're depending on your works of the Torah for your redemption, then there is no atonement for you. There is no covering for you because there is no sacrifices being made that uh, provide that mechanism for you. And so if you're trying to do uh, and be saved by your works, then your works are always going to fail, and especially uh, because we don't have the, uh, the ability to make restitution or restoration through the sacrificial system. If it was possible for a human being to be perfect, they might not need the sacrificial system, but there's only been only one sinless and perfect person, and that's Yeshua. You and I, we fail, most of us, on a daily basis, some of us on an hourly basis, and some of us even more often than that. Romans 10.6, but the righteousness based on faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who will go up into heaven, that is to bring Messiah down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. And this reference, by the way, where it says who will go up into heaven, uh, understand that, that Jacob's ladder in dream, he starts on earth, he goes to heaven and comes back. It's going in and coming back. And the same thing, Yeshua said, no one has ascended to heaven, but he that descended from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. When we talk about the heavenly from an earthly perspective, we always go up and then return. So that's why he's talking about this here in the context of the rest of the scripture. And he's saying we don't have the ability to make Messiah happen. Abraham couldn't do it. Moses couldn't do it. David couldn't do it. Solomon couldn't do it. No one in history has been able to go up and bring Messiah down or go down into the abyss and bring Messiah up. If we're going to have a Messiah, it's going to be because God does something supernaturally to bring that about. And the supernatural birth of Yeshua is what brought that about. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's a supernatural robing of the supernatural being God, of God who is a spirit, robing himself in flesh and dwelling among us. It was God coming down to us. We don't have the ability to cause the Messiah to come, uh, and, and we didn't have the ability, and neither did the Jews of that day. God had to work supernaturally and sovereignly in the perfect time, at the appointed time, at the fullness of time, to bring that about. Romans 10, 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we're proclaiming. For if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now I want to say here uh, to my uh, Christian brothers and sisters, to those that, uh, that, that are not maybe part of Messianic Judaism or maybe you're new to Messianic Judaism, these verses right here are used quite often as a 
expression of how someone gets saved. Matter of fact, if you ever read a track, somebody left it at a grocery store or in a restaurant or, or put it on the windshield of your car or handed it to you on the road, more than likely this verse is used along with John 3.16 as a way to tell you how to be saved. But it's so important for us to understand that the book of Romans, and we're in Romans chapter 10, is completely written to people who are believers. This is to the congregation at Rome. These are two people that are already believers. And he's talking to these believers and saying, it's not about your works, it's about his works. And he goes on to say, what is it we're proclaiming? What is the word we're proclaiming? What is the word proclaimed? What, what word is near you in your mouth and in your heart? And remember, what is it that goes into our heart? According to Jeremiah 31, it's the Torah. It's God's law that goes into our heart, that he writes on our heart. And so when we look at this in the context of what he's saying and who he's saying it to, it's important to note that the word that he's talking about, because Romans wasn't written until they're reading this letter the first time. So the word that they're talking about is the Tanakh. It's the Torah. It's God's uh, word that's known as the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. And he says that word causes us to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Yeshua from the dead. It says you will be saved. So this isn't the way to be saved. This is a way that we, uh, we confess our redemption through Messiah and we live our life. And remember, when it talks about speaking in the Bible, speaking in the Bible or talking about our faith is connected always to living our faith. So this isn't just saying words, but it's what do your actions say? What does your lifestyle say? That's why it says let your your uh, saying be yea and amen. Let your words be yea and amen. It doesn't mean just to say yea and amen in a conversation. For instance, if I were to say yea, the only thing you would be able to say back is amen. And then you would say amen and I would say yea because it says let your conversation be yea and amen. But that's not what it's saying. Conversation there meant lifestyle and how you lived and how you walked. In Judaism, we call that halakha or the way we walk. And so when we confess with our mouth, it's not just what we speak, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and our heart should be abundantly filled with God's word, uh, with the instructions of the Torah. So this isn't the means of salvation. In other words, you don't hand a card to somebody and say, repeat these words after me. But in context, he's talking and saying, it isn't about good works, it's about your faith in Yeshua. And your faith in Yeshua will bring about a lifestyle that confesses what's in your heart and brings about. And if you do that, you will be saved. It does not say you are saved. These, everywhere in the scripture where it talks about redemption or salvation in this way, it's always a future tense term. In other words, he that endures to the end, the same will be saved. So this isn't an instantaneous thing. This is if you continue to walk a lifestyle that is in agreement with God's word through faith in Messiah Yeshua, not apart from Yeshua, but through faith in Yeshua, then you will be saved. When you stand before the Lord, when you are judged, you will be found righteous. And he will say, uh, enter into the presence, enter into eternity. Romans 10.10, 10, 
For with the heart it's believed to righteousness, and with the mouth it's confessed for salvation. For the scripture says, whoever trusts in him will not be put to shame. And again, there's the will not, not is not. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, richly generous to all who call upon him. Now this is really important that we look at these verses and we understand what he's saying here, because it's continuing the thought of that you believe in your heart. What do you believe in with your heart? You believe in God's word and his promise and the ultimate coming and fulfillment of that through Yeshua. You confess it with your mouth. And, and when, again, when you talk about confessing with your mouth, it's not just all about speaking, but it's the lifestyle that comes along. And whoever trusts in him, in Yeshua, uh, will not be put to shame. But then it goes on to say there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. Now understand, we could often take that verse out of the context here also, but the context of this is in the lifestyle of a believer that is expected when we put our faith in Yeshua as our Messiah. And it says there's no distinction in lifestyle. In other words, whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, your lifestyle should agree with the Torah, the law that's put in our heart. And, and that's, again, that verse talks about the law being put on our heart is not only in Jeremiah 31, but it's also in the book of Hebrews chapter 8, where it reiterates and, and quotes the verse from Jeremiah 31 that says, I'm going to make a new covenant with you and I'll put my law in your heart and in your mind. And so it's important for us to understand when he's making this statement that there's no distinction between Jew and Greek because he's richly generous to all who call upon him. He's talking about lifestyle as a believer putting our faith in Yeshua. Now there is distinction in roles between Jew and Greek just like there is between men and women and soldiers and non-soldiers and merchants and non-merchants and kings and non-kings and, and employers and employees and free people and servants and all that. There are distinctions in the role, but not in the fact that we both have an obligation to walk according to the applicable commandments of Torah that apply to our lives. Not everybody is a parent, so the commandments dealing with parents won't apply to everybody. Not everybody is a farmer, so the commandments that deal with agriculture won't apply to everybody. Unless they apply to you, they don't. But all of the commandments as the Torah, as the instructions, are our guidelines for Israel, whether you are Jew or Greek, the guidelines apply together. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of Adonai shall be saved. And again, that is a future tense, shall be saved, not is saved. How shall they call on the one they have, uh, whom they have not trusted? And how shall they trust on the one they have not heard of? And how shall they hear without someone proclaiming? And that is our role, your and my role as believers. If you are a believer in Yeshua, this should be on your mind. And remember, these verses in 10.13 hearken back or connect back to his original prayer that he said, it's my prayer and my hope that all Israel, that Israel will be saved, that they'll come to salvation. And it's up to us as Jews and non-Jews to share the good news with everybody. And we need to proclaim the message of Messiah so that people will be saved. And how shall they proclaim unless they're sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim good news of good things. And again, that quote goes back to what Yeshua quoted when he was reading from Isaiah and also what the Tanakh teaches about the good news of Messiah and the promise of good news, the Bessera, 
that we have been given. And again, it's so important for us to understand in order to be able to share with people how to be saved, we need to understand that it's not just speaking a prayer. It's not just repeating words. It's not just following a statement on a piece of paper or reading a prayer off of a PowerPoint presentation or following a repeat after me prayer, but it's actually putting our trust, our actions, ourselves under the uh, covering and the obligation to follow God's word. We are Talmudim or disciples of Yeshua, and as such, we must walk the way that he walked. And Paul went on to say, if you can't follow Yeshua, follow me as I follow him. I'll follow him, you follow me. And we likewise should be able to tell all those around us, if you can't quite get this, just follow my example. Follow the way I live, and the end will be finding Messiah because we're following his footsteps in doing so. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We're going to continue chapter 10 in two weeks. Next week, again, uh, Abigail Fatkins and myself will be teaching about prepping for Passover. Passover's coming up a little later in the month, and we know that many of you that are watching uh, this video, you may not have ever done Passover at your home, so we want to be able to help you prepare for it, help you to prepare not only your home for Passover, but your family and yourself to have a Seder in just a couple of weeks. So we look forward to doing that next week. I hope you'll tune in. I hope you'll share this video with other folks. Thank you and Shalom.